most people are operating on, I'm the boss, do what I say, not as I do. And 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 John will say, well, I don't need an agreement. She, she works for me. And I say, well, how's that working for you? Hmm. Right? Because if you create agreements with Heather and say, Heather, I'd like to create an agreement. Can you make this by Friday? And you create a culture where she can actually say, John, I'd love to create it by Friday, but you gave me these three other things. I don't see how I'm going to do these three things and complete this project. Now, John can say, wow, okay, if I get relief for, for two of them, will you be able to complete this project? We want to prioritize. Now we're, we're in a culture of agreements, right? Because <laughs> how you change culture is through language. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, where being a high achiever doesn't necessarily equate to being an effective leader. Let's check to see if you're in the right place. If you're rising through the ranks of your organization so fast that your leadership skills need to grow as fast as your responsibilities, you're in the right place. If it seems you need different skills to lead your team or lead from within a group of talented, competitive peers, you're in the right place. If you're looking to become a trusted advisor to the CEO, you are definitely in the right place. So now that we know that you're in the right place, enjoy today's conversation. Before we begin the show, I have something for you. The Rising Leader Handbook is going to be published in October of this year, but you don't have to wait. If you go to my website, www.markjsilverman.com, click the red button, you can get an advanced copy of the executive summary of the Rising Leader Handbook. In the same place, you can get a copy of Only Tens. Love to get your feedback. Now on with the show. A few years ago, in fact, quite a few years ago, some friends of mine and I've talked about my Friday mastermind with my good friends every two o'clock on Friday. I talked to some very close friends and we almost never miss. I've been traveling the last couple of weeks and from the airport, I get on these, this call and early on in our getting together, two of the people in our mastermind went to another mastermind. Yes. And we do a lot of that. We do a lot of sharpening the saws in this business. And they were in this other mastermind and they were telling me about this guy, Devin. And they were telling me how much they love him and how amazing he is. And he's one of us. He's totally one of us. He's not one of those coaches. He's like in the trenches, real guy, people you want to meet. So I got to meet Devin. I got to know him a little bit. I got him. I had him on the podcast, the Mastering Midlife podcast four years ago. Since then, our careers have both blossomed in, in, in many different ways, and he has taken off. So we're going to talk about Devin Badnison in the official way, and then we're going to actually let him talk. Devin is the go-to mindset coach for the NBA. It is amazing what he does there. He's one of the most sought-after personal and business coaches in the world. I know that for a fact. He works for Fortune 100 companies, people all walks of life, professional athletes, CEOs, salespeople. He's done a TEDx talk that was is incredible, and we're going to put that link in the show notes. He's been on Good Morning America, The Huffington Post, Success Magazine. The book that uh, he talked about on Mastering Midlife was Fatherhood is Leadership, Your Playbook for Success, Self-Leadership, and a Richer Life. It was number one when it was released back in 2017. His signature group, which I remember when he was first starting out with this, the Game Changer Experience, is actually a game changer. And now he's doing it all over the world several times a year. So if you're looking for an experiential shift in your life. If you want to go spend a weekend and actually make a shift, look it up. We'll put the uh, link in the show notes and it will change your life. Most importantly is, is a Friday pizza night with his three amazing kids. That's where we bond because Wednesday night was my night with my kids going to Lost Dog. He goes and has pizza. So I bonded over that. And now Devin is here. Devin, thanks for being coming back to the show. I really appreciate it. 
Well, thank you. It's really an honor to be here with you. I just acknowledge you not only for this podcast, but like you said, I've known you for several years now and just watching your trajectory and how you serve people, how you love people in this space of leadership and personal development is extraordinary. So you inspire me and uh, I'm grateful to be here, man. Thank you. So I've had some really weird experiences guesting on other people's podcasts, and I'm sure you have. Let's just say you get on this podcast and I say, Devin, thanks for being here. We're out of time. You got about two minutes. What would you like to say to the audience? If I only gave you two minutes, what do you want people to know? And I know you can do this because I watch you do the, the two minute wisdom drop every day. What do you want people to walk away with before we even get into details? Well, the first thing I would say is when you talk about leadership for me, it's really the first step is most people know where they want to go, but they're not accurate on their starting point. Right. So so one of the things is we want to get accurate. Right. That's that's one of the most important things. If I take an Uber, for instance, and I'm in my house, I know where I want to go. But depending where I am in my house, I may put an inaccurate starting point. Right. So if I have an inaccurate starting point, I'm outside waiting for the Uber. I never get to my destination. And with most leaders, if I gave them five, 10 minutes, they would know where they want to go in three to five years or even a year. But many of us are not accurate on where we actually are starting. So whenever we start, I would say, get accurate on your starting point. Number two, I would say, slowly is the fastest way to get there, right? Slowly is the fastest way to get there. You want to get anywhere. I'm not talking about go slow because I'm from New York, right? I'm a real talk New Yorker. We're not talking about going slow. I mean, really upgrading your intentional pedal strokes. If I was in a on a bicycle and I was on a 1-1 gear, 1-1 gear goes really fast, but it's usually used for uphill. And many of us are going through life like we're going uphill all the time. But if you 1-1 gear on a straight strip, your legs are going fast, but you're not going further. So when slowly is the fast way to go, when I talk to leaders, it's really up-leveling your pedal strokes. So you're in a 4-6 gear, so you're going... Your, your strokes are slower, but your momentum takes you further, right? And the third thing I would say is your word creates your world, right? Imagine a world in which you say something and it gets done just because you said it. And to me, that's one of the things that we could explore today. I know I only got two minutes to tell you this is the end of the podcast, but our words create our world. A lot of us, when I look at the greatest leaders that I've worked with or I see in the world, there's two things that come to mind. It's commitment and integrity right? It's really commitment and integrity, you know? And so when I look at someone who's, if, if you're not committed, it gives you a first row seat to a life in the stands, not on the court of life. You're just going to be in the stands. And integrity is not really what we talk about as a moral thing. For me, integrity is you give your word, you keep your word or you don't. And uh, the moment that you know you can't keep your word, you recreate the agreement. So I would say those few things were the things that I would pack in in two minutes if I was talking to leaders and saying, that's what we're up to in the world. Brilliant. That's great. I interviewed Dr. Jeff Spencer, who is Andrew Branson's coach, Lance Armstrong, yep. Tiger Woods, like amazing guy, right? And I just spent the weekend with him. And he was, and his whole thing is this hustle and grind and this balls to the wall thing doesn't work. It's going to kill us. He's a bike guy, right? Like uh, yeah. Tour de France guy. You're not catching your gears. So we've always heard slow down to go fast. So that's what you're saying. So let's 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 start with the beginning from what you just said. You know, no being being accurate with your starting point. How do you? I I, I get why that's important for an Uber. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for a person to know 
and and what things should they know before they figure out where they want to go? Yeah, I, I think that oftentimes when people are looking that, that we've gotten into the practice of creating a vision, right? Or some goals, some outward goals, like I want to achieve this in a year or three years or five years. But when I sit down and really slow it down with people, they really struggle with where they think they are. They're either, they think they're a little ahead of where they actually are, or sometimes they're way behind where they think they are. And a lot of that, a lot of that is they haven't really taken the time to see what really gets in the way of accelerating growth. And I'm not talking about grinding. I'm not talking about hustle because I agree that 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 those days are over. You could actually, the 10x is actually easier than 2x. I read a book recently. And and if you want to 10x, it's not about working doubly hard. It's really about seeing who you need uh, to help you get there along the way. So getting accurate to me is that starting point where people usually struggle. Like leaders, they say, Devin, I want to get here. But when we sit here and they say, listen, the most important thing is my family. And then I say, well, pull out your calendar. And I look at their calendar and there's nothing in their calendar on their family. And then they say, well, Devin, health is very important to me. I say, pull out your calendar. And there's nothing (laughs) in their calendar that says anything about their health, right? So they know what they want to do. They want to be healthy. They want to be a better husband or, or a better father. And yet their starting point, they're inaccurate. They're not accurate about where they actually are. They think they're doing something at home, but they haven't really committed to the time that it takes to really get good at whatever you're doing and get great. How about the inner game? Like, where, like for me, starting point of where you are internally, as far emotionally, with skill sets, with with the mindsets. How do you take an inventory of are you, have you made yourself into the person who can actually take those steps? Yeah, that's a great question, Ma. So, so look, whenever I have someone in front of me, I always let them know that there's I don't work just with chess moves, right? You got chess moves and you got chess player. Right. And so to me, University of Santa Monica called it goal line and soul line. Right. You got outward goals, which is goal line. And then you got the inner game, which is the soul line, who you're becoming. Right. Who do you need to be? And when you're talking about an accurate starting point, Mark, it's like a lot of people, the thing that really gets in the way of us creating the life we want or the leadership we want is really right here in our mind, in our thinking. So so what happens is a lot of people come in or coaches or people go to these uh, personal development things and they say, well, we're just going to put a lot of outward stuff on top. Right. We're just going to put some uh, happy talk or some affirmation. But the problem is, if you put that, if you have a foundation of a house and the foundation of the house is I'm a fraud. I'm not good enough, right? If that's the thinking, if that's the foundation, it doesn't matter what happy talk you put on top of it. The higher you get, the quicker it's going to collapse. So when I talk, when I work with clients and we're talking about getting accurate, we go right to the start of things, right? The start of things. Thoughts control emotions, emotions control behaviors, behaviors control results, I used to run a mental health clinic where psychologists and social workers reported to me and they used to call it mental health. And then they shifted to behavioral health and not good, bad, right or wrong. The only issue with behavioral health is that you're now two, three steps down the rung. 
You're focusing mm -hmm. on behavior. And what we need to do when we get accurate is start with the thoughts. So the first thing we want to go in is look at the low grade thoughts that are getting away. Because if I got a thought like as a leader that I'm an imposter, they're going to find me out. I don't deserve this position. It doesn't matter what outward strategy somebody gives you on how do you communicate, because that will leak out into who you're being. So neuroscience has shown us that you can rewire your thought patterns, right? So you ever get around someone, Mark, and you get around them and you get around them. They don't have to say anything, but you're around them and you're like, man, I like that person. That, that's a good vibe. You just feel their vibe. Then you get around someone else, say you're sitting next to a woman and she doesn't say anything or a man and, and, and they don't say anything, but you're like, oh, I got to get away from her. Right. Because the energy now, neither person is right, wrong, good or bad as a leader. It's just you can guarantee that the person who you are around with that that good energy is spending more of their time on high grade thoughts about who they are and less judgment about themselves and others. And the, the woman, on the other hand, who you get around and that energy is low, is spending more time on low-grade thoughts and judgment about self and others. So what we want to do is go get accurate on what are, your, what are your thoughts? What are your beliefs? What are your limits? And we start there and we start rewiring the circuitry from there. So help me with that because yeah. I'm a fraud and I'm an imposter. Yeah. Never left me. Uh, yeah. you know, I've accomplished a lot in, in the world. Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of the books. I've gone to, I've beaten pillows. I've dug into my childhood and yeah. uh, I still sound like a male Fran Drescher and shouldn't be doing a podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. And I continue to create, I continue to do things. So tease out the difference between kind of like having the thought and yeah. maybe believing the thought. Yeah. People talk about uh, this word narcissism <clears throat> has come out a lot over the years. And I can't think of anything more narcissistic is just because we have a thought that we believe is true all the time. Right. So so the first thing is I'm an imposter and I'm a I'm a fraud, Mark. None of that is truth. Right. None of that is like truth like that. I've never you've never occurred to me as that. Right. Mm -hmm. I've always seen you. So all it is, is, is a judgment. So what we want to do is we want to look at it as kind of the observer of our thought of more like, Hey, I, I'm an imposter. Isn't the truth, but most people, they think something and they start believing that that is the truth. So what happens is your circuitry, you, you get patterns in your brain that continue. Once it clicks in, you go to autopilot to that characteristic, to that pattern. Right. So for I'll give you an example, if I wake up and I stub my toe on the bed or I, I break a glass, most people say what? I'm going to have a bad day. Right. Yeah. Then they go in New York. They take the F. I go to the F train. Right. The F train's delayed. But the F train's always delayed. But because I said I'm going to have a bad day, okay. I have a bad day. So then I get on the subway and there's these three seats. And anybody knows who ran the subway knows this uh, phenomenon. So it's me and another person and someone's coming to you and you're like, I know they're not going to try to fit. There's no way they're going to fit in between the seat. Right. But they come, they sit and now half your skin is on the seat and they say, see, I'm having a bad day. And now we have these people that we lovingly call in New York, the onion people, because when they get around, there's an odor and like it makes your ears tie. Right. So, so now the onion person says, and you say, see, I'm having a bad day. So you, you wired your patterns and the brain looks for evidence. 
It's the same thing with I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. I start believing this thought without questioning it. And then now my world, my the brain begins to look for evidence, which just furthers the pattern. So the first thing we want to do is identify that judgment. And then I take people through a, a process called like self-forgiveness is really mm. self-forgiveness is the vehicle to get out of that judgment. It's not true that you are a fraud. You just got to forgive yourself for judging yourself that you're a fraud. And once we forgive ourselves for judging ourselves, it can open up a different pathway that we can now replace it. We're not re- we're replacing that low grade thought with a higher grade thought, but we can't do that without cleaning it out first, right? Now that's just a process. Now how does that just uh, eventually get gone and and be eliminated? is through practice of that pattern of of really practicing what you tell yourself. We said something off air about my documents. Like there's things that I feed my brain each and every day that continues to wire the the circuitry in my brain. So so that's a quick version of how we can go in and rewire the, that thinking. Now, without that, Mark, if you, you you have a fraud, I'm a fraud, and you and there you're you're believing that, and you're telling yourself that throughout the day, and then you say. I'm the greatest in the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it would be like putting icing on a pile of caca, right? It would just be on doo-doo. It would just be like putting icing on a pile of... So what you want to do is clean that out first. You want to take an inventory of your low-grade thoughts. Forgive yourself, clean up that process, and then you can replace them with high-grade thoughts and you continue to practice that. And, and then what happens is you step in the room your thoughts create an energy field like you, you. It's called a way of being, right? It's a way of being. So that's why the person with the higher grade thoughts, with less judgments, when you get around them, you could just feel that energy. You could feel their vibe like that's someone I trust. That's someone I want to do business with. That's someone I want to invite over to, to the family barbecue. That's all starts with the, our thinking. Beautiful. It's funny. Our mutual friend, Helen Appleby, was just reading the manuscript for the Rising Leader Handbook, which is coming out in November. And we were talking and in in it, she said, one of the things she liked was, I said, I don't wake up Mark J. Silverman, executive coach, Zen master flash. Like I create him every day. I wake up Eeyore every day. Like it just hasn't changed. So every day I have the things that I do, the things that I read, the things that I say to myself uh, to create this guy for the world, for my children, for whoever it is I meet, right? I even put a whole tattoo on my arm to remember because that head trash, the same thing every day, all day. And like you said, the document, the th- the the words that you created that you want to live into every single day, we don't just automatically turn into these people. We create no. it every day. And it's those of us who do the work who reap the benefits. And I, and I always say, it, I don't do this because I'm better than anybody. I do this because I want to be better than what my, what my default is. <laughs> right. 100%. So, so, okay. So, so, so we, we now have a good starting point and now, and, and we have a, we have a vision and I was so riveted to what you were saying, instead of writing down the notes for number two, yeah. number two is slowly is the fastest way to get there. Great. So the tendency is get up, hit it hard, more appointments, better, more opportunities, better, right? Less hours sleep, better. What's the alternative? How do you help people 
get that yeah. that traction yeah so when you look at when i i used to laugh when i go and work with executives i go into these companies and and they the first thing they want to do and i love execs i love working on them. they're fun like they, they're a certain personality type that i like challenging but but when you challenge them and you get through it right they're, they're open but however most when of you them, get when you get through they don't start when you get through opening they when you get through you don't have to lie to them I, to get that's there. right <laughs> now the first thing they do usually from when i work going to these companies is they want to show me their calendar like it's a and show me how busy they are it's like th their busyness is like a badge of honor. Devin, that's the first thing they'll say. Devin, you, you got my calendar is I'm very busy. When people tell me work with my assistant, I said, you can count on me that I will not be working with your assistant. If this isn't the most important conversation on your calendar, don't hire me. So so the first thing is I go by slowly is the fastest way to get there. If you look at people who create big in the world. And whatever that means, success, impact, everything, they have space. Creativity happens in space. Leader, real great leadership decisions and forward thinking happens in space. Most leaders, when you first meet them, they, they want to tell you how busy they are, right? And so I go by the Warren Buffett uh, quote I love that says, busy is the new stupid. And, and then I go in there, they say, you call me. So I'm not calling you stupid. I'm saying busy is the new stupid. Well, because when they asked Warren Buffett, what's the key to your success? He said, I say, I said, no, 90% of the time. So the first thing we want to do is slow down and upgrade our pedal strokes. And what that means is for me, we want to look at where you're saying busy. A lot of people see me and they say, Devin, I know you're busy. And I have to tell them I'm the least busy person in the world, right? Because now I did a thing at the end of the year where I create what I created in one year and everybody's like, oh my God, that was so much. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't busy work because I know my three cornerstones. See, when you slow down and you know your cornerstones, you start creating a life around that as a leader, then everything else, you know where to say yes and where to say no. So my cornerstones is one, to love as many people as I can before I die. Two, to serve to travel and love and travel and serve people through this work, right? And so love as many people as before I die starts with my family. So whenever people are, right? So I'm not busy. So when people call me, I'm traveling this. I get this a lot. Devin, can, can we get up for coffee? And and coffee, we, we say C-A-W-F-E. -E, yes. And I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Long Island, too. Yeah, you're from Long Island. So when people ask me for coffee, I say, hey, you can count on me that I won't be meeting you for coffee. Why? <laughs> Why? Not because there's a problem with coffee or a problem with going out to the club. It's just not in my highest level of service. So when we slow down with leaders and we, we say, like, really, what are your three cornerstones? What are the things that are your priority? Then we have to start filtering in the things that are not a priority and say, because when we say yes to the things that aren't a priority, we're saying no to the things that we say are a priority. So, so slowing down is really slowly is the fast way to get there. It's not about busy work. It's slow and intentional work, right? So one of my favorite stories about Jerry Seinfeld is they said, what was, I used to do work with Jerry Seinfeld and his wife, Jessica, who they were big into fatherhood, right? So they did this event and we, and, and we were talking and a guy came to him and said, what's the key to your success? And Jerry Seinfeld said, 
That's easy. He said, I locked the door. <laughs> he said, what? You locked the door? He said, yeah. He said, before Seinfeld, before comedian, coffee with comedians, at the heart of who I am, I'm a comedian. So for the last 25 years, from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., I lock my door and all I do is write comedy, right? So that's an example of keeping the main thing the main thing, being intentional, slowing down, right? And just by him locking the door, you think like, oh, man, he's wasting two hours a day every morning. But by him slowing down and doing that, the byproduct of that was 20 times, 200 times. The Seinfeld mm -hmm. came from it. All of his success came from it. So the second part of, to me, being a great leader is understand that slow down to the speed of life. Slowly is the fastest way to get there. When I work with pro athletes, right? And I, I always ask the same question, no matter what sport. What, what, what does it feel like to be in the zone? Mm. You know what they never say? They never say, Oh, I was speeding up. I was busy. I was worried about the next. They never say that. They always say the same thing. The game slowed down. So when the game, now the game doesn't physically slow down for you to see a baseball look this big or a basketball lane to open up or in life, we call it the flow. In sports, we call it zone. The game doesn't physically slow down, but what they're talking about is they slow down and they're present to what's in front of them. And when you get real presence, then life start. you start hearing things that other people don't hear. You start seeing things that other people don't see. And what people don't realize is the zone or flow is actually our natural state. But we've been trained to be out of the zone so much that, that we've been taught over the years, you got to get in the zone. But if you tell somebody now, get in the zone, get in the zone, they won't get in the zone because it's just a return to their natural state. So that's what I mean by slowly is the fastest way to get there. Be present, prioritize, and understand what your cornerstones are. It's not supposed to be easy to say no to things that are that are important to you. When I first started the Rising Leader podcast, you were one of the first guests I wanted to have on it. I just knew I wanted to talk to you about this. And you said, you know, Mark, I love you. Really want to do it. Not the time for me to do it. And I'll get back to you when I can. And, you know, for me, I was, I was really disappointed, but I wrote the freaking book only tens. Right. And I'm like, I know I'm a nine for him. I know he loves me. I know I'm a nine. Right. And if I, if I walk my talk, he shouldn't freaking do this. Cause it's a nine, right. Only tens. When you come back, you're fully committed. You're all in. Right. And then you get to create magic. And for me, that was the hardest thing as a people pleaser, as someone who gets his self-esteem, like I'm an Enneagram too, right? The happy helper, get my yeah. self-esteem from how much I do for other people, right? To say no is like death, yeah. right? To disappoint someone is like death. And it was the oxygen mask I had to put on myself if I was going to ever have a life that I lived, I created, that I enjoyed. So like, just because Devin says, that, says it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It takes yeah. work to say no and to say no lovingly right? To, so that you keep the relationships intact. And people tend to sort themselves out. The people who were never in your corner tend to disappear. The people who were in your corner but can adjust, they adjust and they learn your boundaries. Then the other people are like, I've been waiting for you to set a boundary. That's good for you, right? That's great. Yeah. So the last piece is, so now so now, now, we, now we have a trajectory, we have a vision, and you talk about keeping your word. 
Yeah. I was working with a, I was working with a CEO and he was just losing his shit over the fact that his team were not hitting their numbers and projects were slipping and all kinds of stuff were happening. And he just couldn't figure out uh, why these things were happening. And yeah. I said, uh, how many times did you go to the gym this week? And he said, I didn't. I said, yeah, but on our list last week, you said you were going to the gym three times. And he said, yeah, no, I did. I said, so you don't keep your word to yourself, right? So how is that projecting onto your team? You keep your word to your team, you keep your word to other people, but you don't keep your word to yourself. So how do you get the so importance good. of that to people? So good. So I, I often, from my experience, the most dangerous words in the human language is nobody will know but me. Mm. So. I'm going to the gym today. I'm going to set the alarm. There's a whole bunch of people listening right now who are going, fuck. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sweating a little bit because I know what I ate last night. <laughs> right? So, yes. Yeah. 100%. Good Good so it's, Nobody knows but me. Most dangerous words in the world. In the language. Nobody will know but me. So, it's like, I'm committing to go to the gym tomorrow. I set the alarm for six. Press snooze. Nobody will know but me. I'm going to call and make that relationship better with my dad. I'm going to make that call today because I know my my intuition is telling me I need to. Nobody will know but me. I, I know that I'm on a certain way I want to eat and, and I, I'm not supposed to be eating this thing at this time. Nobody will know but me. And what happens is you start developing an inner critic, an inner muscle called I can't count on me. So when I can't even trust myself and my word to myself, People get very skeptical of everyone else. So you start judging other people. It starts being a projection. So when you're talking about keeping your word, that's only one part of it. Keeping your word is one thing, but being your word is another. See, your words are your words create a world, right? So you want to be careful with the language you're using. For instance, like I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed. I'm just trying to get through to Friday. What will happen is you'll create a life called just trying to get through to Friday. Words create world. Here's an example. If I want to buy a house and I come down the block and I see this beautiful house and there's these words in front called for sale, a whole world opens up around that house. I can see myself in the fam family in this room. I see the view of the ocean. I come back the next week. And in front of that same house is the word sold. It's a whole different world. There's a guy named Cassius Clay. There was a world called Cassius Clay. That's what they called him in, as a boxer. He said, now I'm Muhammad Ali, a whole different world. See, when we give our word, see, words create, they're generative. So like, for me, integrity is not a moral thing. It's not right, wrong. It's not, it's like, if I had this, uh, I have this desk and it has four legs. One leg is broken, right? The desk is not bad. It's out of integrity, right? It's it's just not workable, right? So when I talk about integrity and leadership, it's like when you give your word, right? Can you create a world and you keep your word? Or if you can't keep your word, the moment you know it, you're in communication to change it. Now you create a world where you can count on me and I can count on me. Here's an example. In, 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 when I go into companies, that same guy you talk to, John's the leader. John speaks to Heather, says, Heather, 
I need you to get this in by Friday on Tuesday. Heather knows on Tuesday. She goes back to her job. She looks at what she needs to do. She knows on Tuesday that she's not going to be able to meet this deadline. But she doesn't communicate it on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. And then Friday mornings, I'm not going to be able to do it. Now, now John's mad. Heather's overwhelmed. And what I'll go back to the leader, John, and say, well, did you have an agreement? Because most, most people are operating on, I'm the boss. Do what I say, not as I do. And, and, and John will say, well, I don't need an agreement. She, she works for me. And I say, well, how's that working for you? Hmm. Right? Because if you create agreements with Heather and say, Heather, I'd like to create an agreement. Can you make this by Friday? And you create a culture where she can actually say, John, I'd love to create it by Friday, but you gave me these three other things. I don't see I'm going to do these three things and complete this project. Now, John can say, wow, okay, if I get relief for, for two of them, will you be able to complete this project? We want to prioritize. Now we're, we're in a culture of agreements, right? Because mm-hmm. how you change culture is through language. That's the way you co- change culture and leadership. But most cultures like are default cultures. Like a 9 a.m. meeting doesn't mean 9 a.m. to mo- a lot of people at the same company. So that tells me we need to change the language around what 9 a.m. actually means. Right. Mm -hmm. So integrity, being your word and keeping your word. I I learned this a while ago. Uh, It was the best lesson. I've One of the best lessons I ever made. I was in this leadership weekend. And when I go to these weekends, I'm front row. I'm usually in front of a room. So I I love being a student. Right. Just being a student. I try to keep my hand down. I don't overshare. But, you know, there's something about who I am, right? Yeah, try to keep this in a bottle. Yeah. That, yeah. That try to keep it in a bottle. So, so we go through the weekend and then there's a follow-up and they say, well, the next 10 weeks, there's a seminar on Monday night, right? In New York City. This is very important. From 7.30 p.m. Monday to 11, uh, 10.30 p.m. From Jan- uh, middle January to March. Okay. You with me? Mm-hmm. So what you need to know is I go and they say, well, if you're a leader of one of these groups, they broke up in these groups, you could be a leader, but you have to go to all 10 sessions. If you're not a leader, you, you can attend six of them. So I'm going to the Dominican Republic the next week. So I know I can't be a leader. They say, who would like to be a leader? The people from the weekend start pointing at me, Devin, Devin. And I say, well, I respectfully decline. I can't keep the commitment. So the woman says, well, Devin, you're obviously somebody they, they view as a leader. We'll create a new agreement. Can you make the other nine? I say, all right, I'll make the other nine. So I go week two. I go week three. I go week four. Then I get a phone call, Tampa, Florida, keynote speech. They say, can you do a keynote? I said, when is it? Most keynotes are Saturday night. This is a Tuesday afternoon. It's a Sunday to Tuesday conference. Keynote, pay a lot of money. This is part of my job. So fourth week, I say, yeah, I'll take the keynote. Thank you. Now it's in Florida. So now when I'm booking my trip, I'm thinking the keynote's Tuesday, but, you know, I got to feel it out. You know, it's February in Florida. I got to feel out the conference. What what I really wanted to do, Mark, was have one of those pictures while everybody's cold in New York and you got the feet near the, near, near the pool and you're like, hey, wish you were here, that kind of thing. So I booked the trip. I go back to the leadership thing on Monday. On the fifth week, I don't say anything. This is what most people do, just like Heather. I don't say anything week six. I don't say week, week seven. I go back to the leader and say, sorry, it's my job. I took a keynote. I won't be able to make it next week. And I, I turn around. I think I'm making a beeline out the door. She says, Devin, 
can you jump on a call tonight? I'm like, yeah. And she asked me one question, Mark. She said, at what point were you out of integrity? Oh, good. <laughs> and I, I said, I gave her one of those answers. I didn't really think it through. And maybe I just gave it. I said, well, when I, when I accepted the keynote, she said, no, the keynote, that's your job. That's how you make a living. You accepted it. She said, the moment you were out of integrity was when you hung up the phone after accepting and didn't pick the phone back up and call me. And she's right. You know why? Because if I called her, she probably would have been able to coach me to go Tuesday morning, right? To go Tuesday morning, still go to the thing on Monday night and still make the keynote. And and the lesson I got there is, where does your word matter until something better comes along? Nice. And so to leaders, it's like, imagine a world, see, where people can depend on you. Like I had a, hold a, on, a hold on. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't go too fast. Yeah. I just really want to acknowledge you for sharing that you did that. Yeah. Right? That, that you did, you had that very human lapse into, I want to take a picture in Florida. So I'm willing to flush down and not even give it a second thought. Right. Yep. And I appreciate that. Right. So now you will all, we'll all find ourselves in that situation. The next best thing after that is, you know what? You're right. I should not have done that. That was a mistake. And this is how I'll make amends. And this is how I'll go forward. That was so profound that you just, after everything that you said, shared that. So thank you. And for that, Mark, you're welcome. That's one of the biggest things that probably shifted the trajectory of my career. When I realized the power of my word and integrity it shifted everything. And that was a story to this day. I have clients who they hope I come in late because they know I'm never late because I have a world now where my clients, my children, my family can count on me. But most important, I can count on me. Mm. I had a guy, he was third in line to be successful, but he had someone in front of him. And, and I started working with him in this, this water company. And we created strong agreements. I don't cancel um, coaching sessions. We don't read. So we go three weeks in and he and he says, Devin, I'm going to be fu- I'm going to be late. And he's telling me he's going to be late at 12 and we're supposed to start at 12. So we get we get on the phone and he says, I, I said, what's going on? He said, well, the meeting ended at 12 and, and I was down the hall. I said, well, that's not workable. Not that something's wrong with them. It's just not workable. You can't get off a call at 12 and then be on my call. I said, let's create an agreement. There'll be no more lateness. If, you, if you're running late, you got to let me know ahead of time, right? But but this needs to be the most important. So a couple of weeks later, right before our call, he says, Devin, I'm not going to make it. Can you send me alternative dates? You know what I said to him, Mark? What? You can count on me. I won't be sending you alternative dates please call me. So he calls me and I say to him, I say, Roberto, if you guys paid a lot of money for me to be your coach and we're about three sessions in and I don't return what you invested if I fire you, I I invested into like one of the charities that, that I like. I said like this, Roberto, if you're late or you miss another appointment, we will be done. We will not be working anymore. I don't give refunds. And if the only thing you learn in our six months together is the power of your word, it will be worth your whole investment. The guy never was late again, never canceled appointment and leapfrog 
a year and a half later, he uh, within the year, he he leapfrogged the second guy. And when the CEO stepped down, he stepped into a position. Nice. And okay. and what he said was the biggest thing was that he realized that his word created his leadership and created his world. That's a mic drop moment. That's a mic drop moment to end this on. Again, the reason that I wanted you to talk about these things is there's plenty of people who will talk about these concepts, these mindsets, these truisms. And for me, they go in one out, one ear out the other for most people. And when you bring them to life, the, a couple of times you said some things that I've heard a thousand times and I stopped and I paused and I felt and I felt it. And that's, that's why you are who you are. You're one of those people who are who they say they are. And I appreciate that. And I, and I learned so much from you before we close this up, just tell me about the game changer experience. What is that? What is that? And how do people get to go? Yeah, the game, it's two and a half day weekend and how it started is I went to thing years ago that weekend shifted my life. I got onto a plane and I made a promise. I said, when I have a chance, because not everybody, I get to choose who I work with one-on-one. When I get a chance to have a transformational weekend that alters people's lives and still make it accessible so people can access it, it's mm-hmm. not too high. That was important to me. I will. And then I created the Game Changer Experience. And it's not a seminar. It's not a workshop for a reason. It's called an experience because everything that we do during the weekend is experiential. It's not one of those things where you're fired up on the weekend. You're going to change your life. You can walk on coal and then Tuesday, right? You go back to your normal thing, right? This weekend is all about like real transformation. And it's the most transformational weekend on the planet. We've sold out the last 30. We do it all over the country and we do it in London. We're doing it in Germany and Australia next year. So uh, you could find it on my website. If you really want to look at how to up-level your income, your intimacy, the impact you're making on the world, that's the weekend. That's where you want to be. That's amazing. And I, I, I will vouch I will vouch for it. I know people have gone and come back raving about it. We'll put the link in the show notes so that people can get to see more of you. If people want to find you, what's, the, what's your website? DevinBanderson.com. Awesome. And don't, you don't have to remember it because we're going to give you the link. Devin, you said in your note back to me that you were going to create immense value for the listeners. You kept your word and I appreciate you. Thank you. And I appreciate you. I appreciate who you are in the world of rising leaders. And just in my world, anyone who gets a chance to listen or be around Mark is is really in for a gift. And you know, I'm a real talk New Yorker. I, I don't just say things. I just acknowledge you, brother. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And to everybody else, I really appreciate your time and your attention. I love you. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you for joining today's conversation. If you got value, please share the episode, give us a thumbs up, write us a review. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question that you have, send them my way. Look forward to connecting on the next episode of the Rising Leader Podcast.